0: My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man. Swings in. Once a day, zip-zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, my Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I I want to hear hear it. it. Look at this place. Dad, I love love you. you. Dad, I love you. That's That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's it. All right, kid. Listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy. It's weird. It's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man? Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good. I'm doing You're doing it. it. Double tap to release yeah. and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural. Whip. whip. Ah. Hey, guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy from another another dimension how many more spider people are there hey fellas hello this could literally not get any weirder it can get weirder okay we need to get back to our universes soon brooklyn is going to collapse my family lives in brooklyn whoa whoa, 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 whoa. miles what's wrong this was never your city it's mine if I don't destroy the Collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different Let's go. is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way.
1: Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak them out.
2: All the galaxies.
1: All for you. Hello again, everybody. It is that time again for the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live on channel1138.com and coming to you from just about every streaming source online you can possibly imagine. Podbean. Uh, We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on CastBox, we're on all kinds of different places. Whatever your method of listening to this episode, we thank you for spending the next couple of hours with us. My name is Zach, I'm very excited to have you with us on this fantastic episode. It's our 220th episode tonight, which is just super weird, super crazy to say, but I could not have... Had this many episodes or this much fun without my co-host and my good buddy, Mr. Benjamin Hart. So I'm going to bring him in now. Benny boy, how are you tonight?
2: I am doing fantastic and uh, hope all those webheads out there are doing great too because we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you guys tonight and we've got an awesome discussion topic that I've been looking forward to for about a month now, if not more. Looking forward to actually discussing this thing i've been chomping at the bit to uh talk about it it's gonna be a blast
1: oh yeah totally me too i was very very surprised by this movie but it was Uh a pleasant surprise and apparently that surprise has you know swept uh a lot of people off their feet not just you and i and uh it's it's awesome to see how warm of a reception it's getting because it's absolutely deserved and uh, we get to talk about it in depth tonight which I'm super excited about. Uh, For those of you who maybe didn't catch the promos or didn't see the promo image or maybe you're just dense I don't know uh, we are discussing, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that about our listeners. I'm not mean like that, I promise. I just, uh, I'm just being goofy tonight. I'm but, just,
2: I'm just, no, I'm just seeing all of the offended gifs.
1: Just like, oh my goodness, right? I said that. Right? <laughs> it's like, I'm boycotting this podcast now because you called me dense. But he no, said, not really. He said
2: either you haven't seen the promo or you are dense. He didn't say you are dense, alright? He gave you an option there. Choose the right. better one.
1: Right? Please tell me you've just seen the promo, so I can't call you dense. But our topic tonight, for those of you who just want us to make it officially official, we're discussing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse tonight. Yeah. And I I don't know about you, Ben, but I was like kind of on the fence about this movie when I saw the promos and stuff. I was like... Yep it's shaping up to be a little campy. It's got the potential to be just kind of really, really out there. I don't really know what to make of this. And then I heard really good reviews from people that I consider to be like trustworthy movie reviewers that get in at early screenings. And then I had some friends that saw it opening weekend that also gave it high praise. And I was like, okay, I need to go see what all the fuss is about. And when I did, boy, was I surprised
2: it yeah it, it came out of i don't want to say it came out of nowhere because we kept seeing the trailers i, I think i saw the trailers for this movie back f- on the last jedi i think um if if at least on solo um, when i saw the movie or at any of the other movies i saw between now and then and you know I, I, it's funny how we are kind of programmed or at least i am to kind of ignore animated superhero movies because there's so many of them, and they're kind of seemingly insignificant. You have all the DC movies that come out um, quite frequently. And, you know, it's, it's just like usually, oh, they're no big deal. It's just a new superhero movie. Like, I'm looking for the, the live-action whatever. I'm looking for the next live-action Spider-Man movie or whatever. But this one, the animation was spectacular seeing it on on the trailers. And it came out, and it blew everyone away. And it's been blowing the doors off the box office. Um, it just won an award. It's been getting all the praise, and it deserves it all. And can't wait to break it all down tonight.
1: We are going to do that, and uh, we're we're going to be super in-depth tonight because I actually went back to the movie theater and paid to go see it again Yeah, just this afternoon, so it is super, super fresh on my mind. And the benefit of going during the day on like a Thursday or a Friday is my local movie theater, the one that's literally like a mile away from where I live, does not have very many people for the matinees. I think I shared a theater with like three other people today and I was just very discreet and like sat in the back corner away from everything and everybody. And I just kept my phone out and I took notes the whole time I was sitting there. Um, I did this a long time ago, back when I watched, um, I want to say Blade Runner 2049. I went to like this 11 PM screening and there was like one other person in the theater. And I was like, Hey, you don't mind if I have my phone out, do you? And they're like, Nope. And I was like, cool. And so I took notes for Blade Runner. And since then I've done that for a couple other movies. I think I did it for, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald and I did it for this one. And so we've got some very, you know, bullet point, bullet point type Uh, description of what goes on in this movie Uh, because there's just a lot that goes on. It's visually stunning. And we're going to get to all of that, but we've got a little bit of news that we want to touch on really, really quick before we dive too deep into this uh, web-slinging discussion. But it's actually semi-related because one of the first things that I wanted to talk about was we've got the Golden Globes that just recently uh, dished out some awards, and the winner for Best Animated Feature was none other than this movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'm And, you. I mean, honestly, I, I can't picture anything else winning Best Animated Feature. Like, I know that there's this fight still going on, especially at Pixar, where you're trying to just advocate for a movie as a movie, regardless of its style, whether it's live action or CGI or, or animation, whatever you want to call it. But, honestly, the visuals... In this movie are part of what makes it so breathtaking, but it's also got a great story, too, and so it's just one of those things that's kind of firing on all cylinders, and when you see it winning Best Animated Feature, it's just not really a surprise.
2: No, it isn't. It really changed the game, I mean, quite literally, because I believe Sony is now, has or will, is copywriting this style of animation. This what they oh, be- did Sp- Spider-Man Into Spider-Verse as is completely new, and you can tell by just by looking at it that it looks completely different than anything you've ever seen before. Oh, so, absolutely. As much as I liked Incredibles 2, as much as I'm sure a lot of the other animated movies that came out last year were great, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse really changed everything and i'm glad to see that it's getting its you know th- you know and it's funny how i'm such a big proponent of the mcu and you know i want all the all the you know all the characters to get back into marvel's hands but like this is, i'm making an exception here like i want more of this and they've already confirmed that more spin-offs more sequels are in the works but uh you know it's it's great to see that they got you know recognition and it was also great to see Phil Lord and Chris Miller up on stage getting a Golden Globe because, as everyone knows, they got booted from the Solo movie and you know barely even got credited for it after making that movie once and then being remade after them. So I was glad to see them get some recognition because they're really talented filmmakers, um, which I think maybe got a bad rap after what's happened with Solo, which I think was unwarranted, and I it it absolutely deserves it. I mean, it's even there's even talk of oscars like which would be incredible
1: oh man if there was ever something that that deserved an academy award i think it would be this absolutely a hundred percent i mean i think i feel like the golden globes are are just a starter and you're right this is this was a great opportunity for lord and miller to express their creativity in a a way that they didn't get to with solo or or anything else that, that they may have you know had to leave the project from due to creativity reasons or whatever, they got to fully express their creativity in this movie. And it showed. a 100% showed. And so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That I'm really excited for them. I'm just really excited for this movie and this style and honestly I'm excited for Sony Animation as well because according to the Hollywood Reporter um, since the animated feature category was introduced in 2007, uh, this is only the third time that the award has not been given to a Disney or Pixar animated feature. Wow. The only other exceptions were in 2011 with The Adventures of Tintin and 2014 with How to Train Your Dragon 2. So this is in pretty elite company for those that are trying to stand out and stand apart from Disney and Pixar. Uh this movie, you're right. Incredibles 2 was probably the biggest competition that this movie had but when you look at the style when you look at the story when you look at the the charisma and the casting i mean there's just so many elements about this movie that we're going to get to discuss tonight that make it a very very compelling reason for this to win out and i'm glad that it did for one
2: yeah yeah i'm i'm always glad cuz i mean you have i mean the these awards are dominated by You know, these art house films and the big, you know, big studio films and, you know, Spider-Verse really felt like an an underdog story and it's, it's now, it's, it's sweeping the, the,
1: sweeping the world really, truly and glad to see it. You and me both. You and me both. Now, while we've got some happy news to report, we've also got some relatively sad news to report. If you want to call it sad news, it, it just depends because some people may be okay with this news because uh, they're happy with what they've got from this universe, and then there may be some people that are booing the heck out of this information. And I, I for one, am not really sure where I stand on this, but uh, IGN has recently reported that uh, Star Trek Four is in even bigger trouble than it was before. Uh, Back in August, the project was said to be in trouble because Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth didn't want to take pay cuts to uh, Mm -hmm. continue their roles. And, I mean, I get it. It's, like, some of their biggest work, to be honest. I mean, aside from Hemsworth as Thor, like, Star Trek was one of his bigger roles, I feel like. And so that news back in August made it sound like Star Trek IV was kind of facing some hiccups But now we've gotten some some news that uh, the movie's director, S.J. Clarkson, has decided to become a director for HBO's new Game of Thrones prequel series that is set to come out in 2020. Right. So you've got two of your primary stars that are kind of gumming up the works a little bit, and now you've lost your director. So, all signs are kind of pointing to Star Trek Four not becoming a reality anytime soon, and uh, any ensuing projects seem to have been put on hold for now as well. So, I mean, Ben, I don't know what your take on this is. I'm still kind of conflicted because I felt like Beyond was a good way to close out the trilogy, but at the same time, I feel like there's still more stories to be told in this quadrant of the universe.
2: I, I selfishly would love to see more films. I would love to see more with that cast. And, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed Beyond. And I think it was a good ending, but also a good jumping off point for perhaps more films. One more film at least, if not more. And, I mean, right out of the gate, not long after Beyond came out, they came out with the, the idea of, oh, we're going to bring back Chris Hemsworth – we're going to do, you know, George Kirk somehow, way. We're going to get him back, and we're going to do that story and, you know, get maybe some more backstory with Jim Kirk and all this kind of stuff, which was really intriguing, and I would love to see that story still. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of stuff going on in Star Trek land right now, like a lot. You've got Discovery coming up. You've got the Picard series on the yep. way. You've got a yep. bunch of shorts and stuff like that they're doing with Discovery. Um, and more stuff. Like, it really, Star Trek is, is having, it's having kind of a, I know it's not maybe comparable, but it kind of is, it's kind of having its Star Wars, like having the renaissance that Star Wars had back in, you know, 2015. Like, now Star Trek is gone back to where it began on television and is really thriving. Um, so, I mean, that's good news. And that's great to think. And I don't know, like you know would it be weird to be doing discovery and then be doing the alternate timeline Kelvin universe movies at the same time i don't know i mean i think people are pretty well aware of that being two different you know things but still it's star trek so i don't know i i, I think there's always a chance and i think the cast isn't going anywhere you've you got you know Chris Pine, Zoe Zildana, they're they're all very active. I think they'll be around for a while and if you want to in five or ten years bring them back and maybe maybe it would even work better because they'd be a bit, a bit, be a bit older and you get to catch up with them at different parts of their lives would be more interesting. I don't know I'm, I'm hoping that the door is not completely closed on this. hopefully we can bring it back, but maybe we just need to be happy that we got three films they told pretty much a complete story for the most part. And you know we can move on from that and enjoy new Star Trek stories with new characters and or sometimes some old characters like John Luke Picard.
1: yeah, well, and from what I've read about the Picard series, there's not a whole lot of information going around right now, but one of the potential plot points that I've been hearing about is that Picard is going to be an ambassador to the now destroyed Romulus from this Kelvin timeline, really? that's one of the storylines that they're saying is a potential to be in development that he's going to uh be, he's he's going to have that admiralcy that he he never had in the next generation and his his reason for becoming an admiral is so that he could become an ambassador to Romulus and so i don't feel like the kelvin timeline is being completely abandoned by any stretch of the imagination um and i think it'd be interesting to see what they would do with an admiral picard in this timeline But uh, I I just I feel like there's 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 too big of a gap in there because Romulus was destroyed in Kirk's time and Picard comes almost 100 years after that. So has Romulus, you know, just been like in floating in limbo for this long or, you know, are we only looking at it at the destruction of Romulus before Nero goes back in time? You know, there's there's a lot of question marks still up in the air about what they're going to do with with. Picard storyline, but all that to say, I don't think the Kelvin timeline is going to be abandoned because shortly after Beyond was done, Quinto and then Paramount talked about Star Trek 4 being a, a possibility, although it was not a guarantee, and the IGN article states that Paramount was actually in development for two Trek movies, which oh. Simon which Simon Pegg confirmed to be Star Trek 4, and the other would be an R-rated Quentin Tarantino project,
2: yeah, so, apparently I don't even know what what's gonna happen with that now.
1: So there's a there's a lot that's that's going on in this universe, and yet a lot of nothing at at the same time. Yeah, which is which is kind of confusing. And uh, our our friend Jeff in the chat says that he saw a Forbes article that blames Star Wars for Star Trek Four's cancellation. They
2: they gotta stoke that Star Wars versus Star Trek narrative thing. Yeah, they, they've got they've always gotta poke that bear. They yeah, I
1: mean it it sounds like a like a feud because everybody is trying to make it Star Wars versus Star Trek, the same way everybody makes it Marvel versus DC. But even Kevin Feige himself said that he enjoyed Aquaman. So, you know, I I don't really know if the the movie industry itself is giving a whole lot of credence to the rivalry that the media is trying to project. There
2: is I, there 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 is no rivalry for most people. It's just a few and even some of the actors have. I'm not going to call anyone out, but like a few of the actors have like taken shots, you know, DC versus Marvel stuff like that. Um, not so much in the Star Wars, Star Trek front. I think that's pretty much dead now. I th- I feel like it is anyway. I don't see yeah. people. I don't see people arguing that anymore. I think people are like okay, it's done. Like you guys, just stop it. Just enjoy well, things.
1: Okay, here's 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 my theory on this: is the Star Wars versus Star Trek fight. Kind of died down when the Star Wars fandom started fighting amongst itself.
2: Yeah, yeah. Star Wars fans don't. Star Wars fans hate Star Wars fans. They really don't. Right. They, don't ha- they,
1: they they don't have a chance to actually hate anybody
2: outside. They don't. The they fandom. don't have
1: time to hate Star Trek because they're too busy hating other aspects of their own damn universe. Yeah,
2: exactly. You, you like the toxicity that is in Star Wars fandom right now is about people hating other people within Star Wars fandom because of their opinions or other really dumb things like it's not about oh star trek like a lot of people that are that are doing this like call themselves fans but seem to hate star wars too which is weird um but like it's yeah it's 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 i guess at least it's contained but yeah it's 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 still equally dumb
1: well that's that's a big reason why i don't necessarily like to call myself a star wars fan anymore because if that's the reputation Star Wars fans are getting, I don't want to be associated with them.
2: Well, I I, I think we see. Here is the thing though with, with Star Wars fans, we'll, we won't we we'll, we'll move on to Spider Verse right after this. I promise. <laughs> um, I do want to say this. I, I and I've said this on many times on many different podcasts that we need the good Star Wars fans. We need good people to say I am a Star Wars fan and be good and be. And, and lead by example, because if we all leave, we say, hey, I'm done with this Star Wars fandom thing, and I don't want to be associated with those people, the bad guys win. You know, those guys get to control the narrative. We have to stand up and go, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I don't care. Because so many people have gone like, we'll just ignore them. They're just going to go away. They're, they haven't gone away. We have to address the problem. And I think that's what we've done in the past year is highlight those problems and go, this is wrong. This is bad. Those people—they don't represent us. They don't represent what Star Wars: Phantom actually is. So, and that—that's my—that's always been my thing with anybody. Like, yeah, if you need time, because a lot of turmoil and stuff has been going on in Star Wars: Phantom. People get harassed. It's really terrible sometimes. And take take your time. You know, take some time away. Take a break from Star Wars: Phantom. I totally get it. But come back because we all need to be in this together.
1: Well. I have just got so many interests, like Game of Thrones and Star Trek and the MCU. I just I have a hard time calling myself just a Star Wars fan in general anymore. Period. Regardless of the toxicity of the fandom, I feel like that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Where I was like, okay, you know what? I'm done with this. I've got I've got other things that warrant my attention that I can be a fan of. And I don't need to be subjecting myself to this if I can be a part of other fandoms and other places that are willing to just take me as I am. And I know that may sound a little bit selfish, and I, I applaud you setting the example that you are, because you are one of the few that, you know, I do call myself proud to to follow your threads. You know, you and, and Katie and a few select others are the ones that are kind of blazing the trail. It's just not a trail that I feel up to blazing myself, so... It is what it well, is.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, it does get intense and even I get frustrated and I'm like, Screw this like just thing and, and that's what I always say, like you can't you can't can't turn into a job, like it has to be fun. And if it's not fun anymore, just, just take a step back and um you know, let let the idiots fight amongst themselves because it gets bad. Well but I don't think
1: Speaking of fun, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to have some fun talking about well, into the Spider-Verse. Tonight. And
2: and we actually had the perfect segue there. Did you notice that segue with the Star Trek news? Chris Pine oh. in Star Trek going into Chris Pine in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse?
1: Okay, that that's actually a really good point because this movie, in my opinion, pretty much had like the best cast. Of just about any movie that I saw all year. It is incredible. Like, it's I I, incredible. I looked at this movie and I was just stunned at how many different actors and actresses I recognized from that cast list. It blew my mind. I mean, you start with the casting of Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, but then you go into just about everybody else that you've got in this. I mean, you're, you're right. Um, you, you've got Chris Pine and then you've got Jake Johnson as Peter B Parker. You've got Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy. You've got Zoe Kravitz as Mary Jane. You've got the comedian, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. You've got Nicholas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. You've got, who else have we got? Oh my gosh. Lily Tomlin. Do you remember Lily Tomlin? I think I do. (laughs) Okay, so anybody that's watched uh, Grace and Frankie, the Netflix sitcom, she's Frankie on that. And Grace and Frankie is a hilarious sitcom, by the way. But us 90s kids remember her as the voice of Ms. Frizzle on the magic school bus. Oh, yes! Lily Tomlin voices Aunt May in this movie. And I was just like, wait, 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 wait. Wait. And it was just one of those moments that I, I I was just so excited to hear all these voices, and then going back and watching the movie again today, I got to like hear the voices all over again and got excited all over again. Like this, I, I mean, I just just listing off all these different these different actors and actresses. I mean, Jake Johnson, I love him in Jurassic World, and I love him even more in New Girl. Mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin from a couple of different places. John Mulaney's stand-up specials are some of the funniest of this generation. Um, Nicholas Cage. I mean, I've told you guys on the show before about my pranks that involve Nicholas Cage, haven't I?
2: <laughs> yes. I, I, love it. I
1: have. I have caged people's houses, and pictures of Senor Cage are still showing up in their house. Like caging right is before... a verb. Yes, it is. And right before I moved out of said house, I was, like, packing my boxes, getting ready to move out. This was about a year, year and a half ago, I guess. I was getting ready to move out, and I hear a knock on my bedroom door. So I go and open it, and uh, my – I don't know what you call him. He's not exactly my landlord. He was was the guy that I was living with. I paid rent to him, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he he came up to me, and he showed me the uh, smoke detector. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know what the deal is. It's a smoke detector. And he says, did you have anything to do with this? Flips it upside down, and there's a picture of Nicolas Cage taped to the underbelly of the smoke detector. It took him over a year to recognize that there was a picture under there, because the only time he would take the metal de- the, the, the smoke detector off the wall would be to change the battery. <laughs> We played the long game with that sucker, like a long, long game. Oh my and I gosh. had to, I had to, I had to play dumb, kind of like Miles does when the when the security officer tells him, "I know you've been sneaking out, Morales." And he's like, "Play dumb, who's well, Morales? Not that dumb." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh man, it. <laughs> This movie is pretty funny by the way. It is.
2: It is incredibly funny and it's incredibly clever in so many different ways. And that's why I appreciate it. And by the way, first of all, we'll we'll stay away from spoilers for right now. We'll get into spoilers a little bit later. I don't think there's anything like huge is going to ruin the movie for you. Um really truly. But, you know, if you you know there's a few things you may not want to know going in, so we'll, we'll try to stay away from them, but like yeah the humor is great the, the 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 as we said the vocal vocal performances are outstanding and you know just overall you you come out with a sense of you know it's just an exciting fun funny you know but a very emotional and a very emotionally strong movie that has a lot of heart to it and a lot of you know character um, and just it, it's really it just became this unexpected success. And I think people were already hyped for it. I, when I saw the trailers, I was like, okay, this looks cool, but like wasn't expecting like literally one of the best movies of the year. And I'm not just saying that because I think it is. Like I think most people would agree that because like it has like an insane like fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. like it's been reviewed like almost across the board, extremely positively people love this movie and you know and not just on the basis of it's a good movie like there's a lot of great representation you have miles morales who people have been just gunning for for years now to get him on the big screen and now he's here and then on top of that you've got um, spider gwen you've got all these different characters from different backgrounds and it's just all around it's just an amazing feat that they pulled off of this thing
1: they did a they did a really really fantastic job. You know who else I forgot to list uh when we were talking about our cast was Leave Schreiber as Wilson Fisk.
2: Yeah, that's unex that that caught me off guard. Yeah.
1: I was I was not expecting that, but honestly when you when you look at at who he's played and and what he's done, he makes a great Wilson Fisk. Not going to lie. And so they they did a, just a really really good job of pairing the characters with the um with 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 what they were trying to evoke like if you watch new girl jake johnson plays a slob okay <laughs> and, and, and like he really does he's practically a hobo living in a loft he he works as a bartender he can't get his relationships in order like it's almost like it's almost like r- ridiculous how how on point the the casting was for a lot of these guys. I mean, if you watch uh if you watch Lee Schreiber, I mean, just take a look at 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 some of the stuff that he's recently starred in. Uh he's he's he he actually played Victor Creed in the Origins Wolverine movie. But then if you if you take a look at some of his more recent work, I believe what is it that he that he plays on um he was oh gosh, he was in BoJack Horseman. That's scary. Uh, Shoot, I can't remember what the name of the show is that he's been a part of for so long. What was it that he was um, doing? Is it... Ray Donovan.
2: <gasps> yeah, I was just about to say it.
1: <laughs> it was the Ray Donovan series. I'm sorry. I'm terrible at at multitasking where well, I'm trying to too. look at people's IMDB lists and trying to uh, to to talk on a podcast. I'm just not that good of a multitasker. Even if I've got another big screen that I can look at all my stuff from... I, I, I'm just not that talented, I'm sorry. But, again, he, he's kind of a fixer for rich families, Lee Schreiber does in Ray Donovan, and so he's kind of a, a gangster mob boss, which is basically what Wilson Fisk is. So, I mean, everything that they've done here so far is, is just really, really well done. There were a lot of things about this movie that, that proved to be a very pleasant surprise. Uh, the animation style was different, which I really didn't know what to expect, but it uh, it satisfied me. It, it, it was very creative, and uh, there are going to be some particular sequences that we're going to talk about when we do like our actual, you know, movie description of the synopsis that uh, that we'll get into. But the visuals were great. The characters were really, really great. They were well acted, well voiced. Uh, there were certain musical elements that felt very appropriate. The the story that it was trying to tell. Felt very much like a comic book story, but was presented in a cinematic light, which I found very revealing and very, yeah. very creative. Um, this here, here's the deal: there's a lot of superhero movies out there. There's a lot of superhero movies out there. I mean, the Avengers are a classic superhero movie, but I dare say that Into the Spider Verse proved to me, at least. To be the best comic book movie of the year,
2: it 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 totally is. It I'm I'm coming at this as someone who puts Infinity War way up there on my you know my favorite movies list and definitely my favorite superhero and comic book movies list. Um, Spider Verse is a rival, is a strong rival, and I think in in a, in in a similar way but also a very different way. And I think. You have to, and maybe this is some way, maybe Infinity War fails in in the sense that uh, I think you have to have a really, I think the best superhero movies, I think some of the ones that, that I think have been kind of considered for that title, you've got The Dark Knight, you've got Spider-Man 2, Um, you know, blanking here for some reason, Um, Logan, Logan, why am I forgetting that name? Oh, man some heavy hitters there that I think they're not only considered great superhero movies, but just great movies in general. But they also, I think they have a really strong emotional core to them. Um, I think, I think this movie has that. It has, it's very, I think it's very, it's brilliant in the same way. And, but also differently that guardians of the galaxy is, I think guardians of the galaxy is a brilliant film in the way that it combines. It's this perfect package of, humor, and emotion, and action, and all this kind of crazy stuff, and Spider-Verse is the same, you know, in the same kind of vein, is that it just gives you this very relatable, super interesting characters, in a really interesting way, that we've, we've, we've seen alternate universes in plenty of different stories, but not like this, not in a superhero movie, and, you know, and it just takes that and turns this on its head and gives you something that you're not expecting and, and gives you great characters that are really relatable. I think anyone really could find a character that they can relate to in this movie um, and from any universe. Even if you're coming from an alternate universe, you probably could you know, uh, you know, know, relate to these characters because they're coming from different universes. But overall, I think it just really drives home the whole idea of you know superhero films are have so much heart to them and this one just is one of those
1: oh man it's so here here's the deal i i made a blog post about my favorite movies of 2018 mm-hmm. and if you want to if you want to take a look at that go check out com z a c h um just find the blog segment uh, and i'm i'm i watched 17 movies in 2018 I watched 17 movies that came out in 2018, and I ranked all 17 of them. And Into the Spider-Verse was almost in the top five. I I placed it at number six, actually. And uh, looking back at it and looking at the movies that are in front of it, I kind of want to revise my list now that I've seen it a second time because I really, really did enjoy just about every element of this movie. And I posted on my Twitter feed, I said, here's an incentive for you to... uh, to listen to tonight's episode, it may be the highest ranking I've ever given a movie in the podcast's history. Because it's very, very hard for me to find anything about this movie that I didn't like. Or something that I would want to critique about it. It yeah. is a near flawless film. It knows exactly what it is. And it hits all the right buttons. It fits all of the right different expectations that you're looking for from this type of film. And it stays in its own lane while still giving you a lot of creativity and heart, like you said. And there's just very, very little about it that I would really complain about. Very, yeah. very little. And yeah. part, part of it, honestly, part of it also has to do with the fact that it ties into the MCU even without trying. <laughs> yeah, you're right it it really it, this is this is one of those movies that kind of bridges different gaps and allows things to cross over in ways that you really weren't expecting them to. Wilson Fisk is the primary example here. Yep. And I'm I'm probably going to start going into spoilers just a little bit because Wilson Fisk is a character that we know from the Daredevil series. He's been the primary antagonist over on Daredevil for the last 3 seasons. And what's seasons.
2: interesting what's interesting is we're finally seeing him on screen as what he was originally intended as the comics, as a Spider-Man villain, but Daredevil right. took him and kind of took ownership of him, and people generally think of him as a Daredevil villain, but he's really a Spider-Man villain.
1: He is, and and that's one of the reasons why I keep hoping that we'll see uh, Charlie Cox show up in the Spider-Man three. You know, obviously he's not going to be in Far From Home, but if they make it back to Brooklyn and they make a third Spider-Man movie with uh, with this cast. I would I would love to see Charlie Cox show up in New York and fight with uh with with this Peter Parker.
2: I would love I would love I would love to see um I would love to see uh, blank what? my brain just went blank there. I'm sorry folks. Um I would love to see of course Charlie Cox show up and voice Daredevil in the second Spider-Verse movie.
1: Oh, that would be good.
2: And then I would also like to do what Vincent D'Onofrio has been campaigning for for months now, which is have Kingpin show up in the third Spider-Man movie um, yes. from the MCU. And then yes. you can also throw in Charlie Cox' Daredevil or whatever and then do another movie or whatever. Like do any of that, but like that would be amazing. And the cross and, and it's funny you're you're saying this like there's, there's so many crossovers because this this movie is its own thing. It's its own universe. So it, it it plays with it. It does a lot of interesting things with it. But it's also adjacent to, like, everything Marvel. It makes, right. like, almost outright references to the original Spider-Man Raimi trilogy, several references, um, with, the you know, the car coming through the window and, you know, he makes fun of the dancing in Spider-Man 3 and all this kind of stuff and then you go to his quote-unquote spider cave or whatever you're supposed to call it in Aunt May's backyard, and there's the PS4 Spider-Man costume is in there. There's the Infinity War costume is in there. Um, so there, there's two references, like, direct references right there. And then you're getting, like, this, the older Spider-Man, I should say. Spoiler alert for anyone. Happening, there is two Peter Parkers, at least, in this movie. Um and the first one is played by Chris Pine and he is this guy who has been around for a while he's he's on the top of his game and he's someone who you could almost picture Tom Holland growing into that guy who this guy's just seen everything he's done everything he's he's older and he's you know he's on the top of his game so and then you have that on top of you know kind of the alternate universe Peter B. Parker which is this down on his luck guy that is just been through it all but hasn't worked out quite as well for him but I love all the references I love the fact that you could kind of like you could draw those comparisons of like this could be just the MCU in the future where this Spider-Man has come along we know Miles Morales exists in the MCU because he was mentioned in Spider-Man Homecoming yeah it Um, was but uh, I love that it's it's its own thing, but it's also very adjacent. It pays homage and even makes fun of other films that are adjacent to it.
1: So here's the interesting thing. You mentioned the, the reference in, in Spider-Man Homecoming. He says, I got a nephew. So that means uh, Donald Glover was playing Uncle Aaron. Yeah, yeah. So it's entirely possible somewhere down the line we could see Donald Glover playing the prowler that we got in this movie.
2: I see. I it took me it took me a little while to actually figure out. Oh, those are the same characters because yeah. I because I'm familiar with Donald Glover. I think we all are at
1: this point. I mean, if you've watched Solo or Atlanta or you've seen Childish Gambino, you should be familiar with him by now. Exactly. But like for a long time,
2: they were kept campa- campaigning for Donald Glover to play Miles Morales.
3: Oh, I and can then, see
2: that. But they finally got you know. Spider-Man over to the MCU. Donald Glover's a little older, you know. Miles Morales at least starting out. He's supposed to be a bit younger. He's supposed to be younger than Peter Parker. So like, it really didn't make sense. So they upped him, gave him the Aaron Davis role. And so through that, I learned what that character was, and he ultimately becomes the Prowler. There's a lot of references to the Prowler in Spider-Man: Homecoming, but he's presented as this dirtbag, and I love that scene that one scene he's in. But he's also presented as this guy that kind of cares about his nephew, is not totally bad, he's even like complimenting Spider-Man, like hey dude, you told them to, to, to shoot at you, you got balls and and then you get a similar kind of version of Aaron Davis here, where is this guy that, and that was a big thing, even though I knew he was a prowler, I was totally shocked when I saw, like he pulled off the helmet like, oh my god, it's Uncle Aaron he's playing the prowler, he's working for Wilson Fisk, this is crazy um, but the whole dynamics of their relationship and how he's even closer to Uncle Aaron than he is to really his own family because I think he gets him more and ultimately, you know, is, you know, not – he really cares about Miles but ultimately is in the pocket of Milskin Fisk.
1: Yeah, I mean, where does where does that money come from? A dude from the streets? I mean, come on, where else are you going to get that kind of buku's of cash from? Yeah, honestly. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. But, you know, here, here's one of the other things that I, that I really enjoyed about, about this film was, you know, we, we keep mentioning all the different references that, that come, into, come into play. I mean, the, the, the PS4 suit is one of them, the, the, the references that we get to Homecoming or to the original trilogy. But I mean, how casually they introduce other characters as well. I mean right very early in the film you've you've got Chris Pine's Spider-Man fighting the Green Goblin. Yeah. You've got Green Goblin in there. And he's green... like
2: fully like ro- you know roided out <laughs> Green exactly. Goblin like he's like the Hulk. And but like you know Peter's just
1: fighting him like oh hey uh, hey uh you know It's e- like it's like goblin? an old rival. He he's like he's like hey hey dude I I told you I I can't allow you to do that man. It's it's going to it's gonna cause a big mess, and you know how much I hate cleaning up messes. <laughs> like his his logic is so not about and, is not is so not about stopping the villain. It's about convenience or whatever. And yeah. I was the like, villains okay. are
2: really the villains are really cool because you actually get it's not like technically shown, but you get the Sinister Six in this movie. You get six villains. You got Kingpin. You got Prowler. You've got Green Goblin. Um, Scorpion, a different version of Doctor Octopus, and I know I'm missing something else, but like you get a, there's a lot of great villains in this movie.
1: There really are. There really, really are. and and I think having that kind of uh, collaboration is kind of warranted because you're getting a lot of collaboration from different spider people from different universes. If you're fighting against just one villain, it seems like I don't know you're you're putting a little too much effort in there. Like you're 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 destroying a, an ant pile with a flamethrower almost, and so to to have all those different characters in there really helped you kind of even the playing field so to speak, and it made for some really great action sequences sequences that I really wasn't planning on seeing slash enjoying, and yet I still enjoyed nonetheless. A lot of my favorite sequences are the things that happen in downtown New York. You yeah. know, the, the stuff that's happening in Brooklyn and the and the people that are kind of watching all of this stuff go on. You know, I, I think one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Miles is trying to wake up Peter B. Parker after he just arrives and he knocks him unconscious. And then he tries to get away from the police by slinging his web and they're being pulled around by the train and they're bumping into people and... They, like, run through a snowman at one point, and, like, the snowman's head presses his face up against the window (laughs) of a bus or something like that. Like, you are experiencing New York while having a chase scene. And it's just super creative, the way that they were able to take elements of the city and bring them to life – in this particular animation style like it's great storytelling it's great representation of new york it's great action sequences it's funny and yet it's cool and yet they use like different panel cutscenes to remind you that it's a comic book movie like everything about those types of sequences reminded you of all the things that you were supposed to be reminded of spider-man his location the people he interacts with the people he's trying to save the neighborhood that he works in the style reminding you that it's a comic book like all of those things are firing on all cylinders to provide you with quality quality scene selection and just quality entertainment
2: that's the thing like this is i'm not i don't want to say the first but i i think it's definitely say one of the first like true comic book movies and i'm not saying like stuff Based on comics, I'm saying something that was made to look like a comic. Now I'm not talking about that first Hulk movie. Where Damn you it, ha- son of a gun! You, blah, you I you beat you t- to it, didn't I?
0: Me, yes. <laughs> ah.
2: Okay, you go ahead with it. You go ahead with it. What are I you gonna watched,
1: say? I mean, I was just going to say that I watched that movie probably about three years ago, and could not believe how absurd it was just how absolutely ridiculous it looked because i knew what they were trying to do i knew that i knew that i knew what they were trying to do there and it just didn't work they would like freeze frame things they would like freeze frame a certain sequence and then they would like animate it and then they would take like these different these different bars that looked like comic panels and they'd like split the screen with it and they would like, every time you switch scenes, it was like that. You would be jumping from like panel to panel, from page to page, just so you could tell the damn story. And it was so choppy, like literally choppy. The the action and the CGI and the dialogue was bad enough, but those cutscenes just made for an absolute trash of a movie. Everything that the Hulk did wrong into the Spider-Verse got. Absolutely right.
2: Yeah, because like Ang Lee like tried to like put like kind con- like as you said, like comic panels in it and like have different things going on in different parts of the screen and that's just in, in live action is very off putting. Whereas here they just dialed to eleven where, you know, it's not just like you you'll have like when especially when like Miles first gets his powers, you see like you start seeing thought bubbles show up and stuff like that and One of my favorite gags is when they're running out of the the complex, uh, Peter and Miles. They're escaping with the computer, and Miles grabs a donut, or a bagel actually, and then they run out, out and he throws the bagel back at him because they're complaining about him stealing a bagel, and it hits one of the guys in the head, and it says, bagel, above his head. There's There's a thought bubble. (laughs) <laughs> and it's oh, just man. down to the simplest details and they took like one of the craziest things that I, i've heard about that they did with this movie was that you know how i think back i don't know when this was way back in the day when they would do old comics and they had to like conserve ink instead of like coloring something black or whatever they would do dots to use coloring, use shading, so they wouldn't have to color the entire area. They would use these little tiny, tiny dots on the paper. Well, this movie takes that same concept and puts it on film so that you some of the textures in this movie are the dotted like comic book pages, which is just insane the amount of detail they did. So you're looking what you're looking at here is Animation that's made to look like a comic book, Mm -hmm. and you know you have some of the panels and the thought bubbles and all this kind of stuff, and you know you're taking a the whole story is from a comic book, and you know these characters, some of these characters have never been seen before outside of a comic book. So all in all, it really is like a true comic book movie. It's it's a comic book come to life, really.
1: Well, and I think that. I think the story itself lends itself to being represented in that way because it's just like the kind of stories you would read in the comic books. Right. You know, it's it's a misunderstood kid who hangs out with his uncle and gets into trouble, which ends up uh, allowing him to get bit by a radioactive spider while he's down in the tunnels of New York. And he uh, he, he he starts developing... These these weird problems that are happening at school, and he, like he he's trying to to solve what's going on. He's trying to figure out what's going on while he's at school, and he's being you know just a super awkward teenager uh, around you know pretty girls like Guana, who turns out to be Gwen. You know <laughs> there there's just a lot of things in in the storytelling that avail itself to to actually feeling like something you would read in a comic book.
2: Yeah, it, exactly. And it's it's not just about adapting something and taking it's not about taking a story which I think largely is movies like the MCU, it's about adapting it and going what if this comic book story took place in real life? What if it took place in the real world and how would we visualize that? And that's the strength of those movies, is that it feels it's taking something ...fantastical and putting it into real-world circumstances so that, you know, you have something, a massive story like Infinity War with all these crazy elements, and it's made to, you know, and, like, if you think about the fact that a giant purple alien with, uh, you know, a a really nice gauntlet with, uh, you know, gems on his, you know, little, little you know, candies on his uh, gauntlet... Like, that sounds ridiculous, but they made it, like, actually intimidating and serious and real in that movie. But this goes kind of the opposite direction. It's about just taking the story as it is, in comic book form, and just putting it in motion, which is, yeah. I think, that's what that's what makes this movie stand out so much, is that it is so great. And if there's only, like, one gripe I will have with the visuals, and this is something I heard a few people talk about, was the fact that sometimes when you looked in the background it was kind of out of focus and i know it had to be intentional because it just had to be like there, i don't think there's any mistakes made everything in this movie is very intentional and it's near perfect but that was it it looked like i was watching the movie without 3d glasses when it was 3d
1: see i thought the same thing the first time that i watched it i like when you're when miles is riding in the back seat of his dad's car and you're looking out the front windshield, and they're talking about some coffee shop off in the distance. The the sign of the coffee shop is out of focus. Yeah, like everything that's at a great great distance like that early on looks out of focus. And I can't help but wonder. I I, I don't I, I even from watching it a second time, I don't know if this is if this is true, but I I feel like a lot of those gripes were made early in the film like i had I had those same questions and concerns early in the film, and I can't help but wonder because here's here's my here's my train of thought when miles takes that quote unquote leap of faith late in the movie and and you see like all the skyscrapers that are around him when he takes that leap, everything that's got that kind of a depth is completely in focus, yeah, so yeah. I can't help but wonder if the visuals are a storytelling element that mimic how in focus and in tune with himself Miles is. That's very true.
2: Because we, we, you know, something that's very obvious is the is the kind of the panel stuff and the mm-hmm. thought bubbles that show up immediately mm-hmm. and the, the whole kind of structure of like how the movie is edited and how it's moving around and have everything is moving changes once he gets his powers. Right. And you're and it's to show that hey, you know, Things are changing. Miles, his body is changing, and he's his experiences are different. That variable could be. It could be kind of because, like, the only reference point that I have is like um, Spider-Man in Civil War says that like my senses are dialed to eleven. Like I can just I'm getting too much information sometimes. Like yeah. So it could be like that to where like as a normal human, quote unquote. You know, things that are kind of out of focus because normally speaking, they would be because unless you have supersonic, you know, sight, you know, things in the distance will be blurry. But when he becomes Spider-Man, you know, all that just goes away and he's getting all of this stuff at once and can see everything.
1: Well, it's it's definitely a, a potentially a, a physical thing, too. But But don't forget, he was also assigned that essay where they ask him, who do you want to be? So I feel like early on in this film, Miles's identity is also kind of split because he's saying hello to a whole bunch of friends on the street while he's heading to this private school where he doesn't quite fit in. He doesn't quite feel 100% himself yet. No. Like, he doesn't know where he's going. And and when he leaves his dad's uh, police car, he's like, it doesn't feel like I have a choice. And his dad says, well, you don't. So there are certain elements early on in the film Where it feels like Miles is kind of boxed in and he doesn't really get to be himself, even though he doesn't even completely know what being himself truly means yet. So I I feel like it's not just a a matter of of physical vision, but I feel like it's also partly an identity thing where he doesn't doesn't quite know exactly who he is. And the more he comes to embrace who he is as Spider-Man, the easier it becomes to visualize what's going on around you because you're more in tune with who you are yeah i'm i may be reading too much into it i just uh, just a possibility but i feel like the the closer we get to the end of this film the more we come to see just how much he embraces who he is and you know at the at the end of the movie he talks about how he finished his essay he, he finally knows who he is. He finally knows who he wants to be and how he's going to go about doing those things. And so, you know, he's made friends now. He's helped save Brooklyn. He's come to understand his powers a little bit better. You know, he's got all these things going for him now. And he's got a little bit better self-identity now. He knows who he is and who he wants to be and what he wants to do with it. I think that potentially plays a factor in his his physical vision as well because it's it, it, it is truly like two separate visuals in, in my mind. It's almost like two different components completely. Because you know, those visuals are like you said are very blurry. I had that same sensation. But then by the time you get to the end of the movie, like at the at the very, very end where the the collider is firing on all cylinders and nothing in that multiverse Looks like it's out of focus, at all. Yeah, and I just can't help but wonder if that's because Miles is so in focus in that moment.
2: That's very
1: compared to when he wasn't.
2: Yeah, that's a really good observation. I think, I think, and that's also true just for the entire movie. It's not just about oh, getting superpowers and how do I deal with that. It's a coming, coming, come coming of age story well, I- for <laughs> 4 miles and him, it is. Him, him trying to figure things out and he's you know at the start of the movie normally speaking we're, we're used to the the old fashioned peter parker story that yeah. you know he's lost his he's lost his parents you know we don't really even know what happened to his parents and he's lost his uncle he's just got his aunt may you know he's trying to get by and you know we're we're catching up with miles when he's younger when he's still in high school, and even younger than that maybe, and you know he he's not really suffered anything bad. he's just dealing with normal problems even more relatable problems really truly, with just you know going to new school you know going you know trying to figure out having you know interpersonal problems with your parents or whatever that's all super relatable that's all any anybody can relate to that, and I think it's less about thing and there is some tragedy that comes later when it comes to you know his uncle Aaron and how his relationship with him and especially when it's you know he feels like he's only really truly himself when he's with his uncle and i think that's his uncle kind of understands him better and is kind of you know on his level gets on his level more than his father does um but ultimately it's about you know him accepting who he is trying to try to make good with his parents and be better to his family, stuff like that. So I think all that said, I think you're onto something there with like, I think there's definitely, it wouldn't be surprised that there's some very intentional strokes with the animation to portray Miles being, you know, more aware of his surroundings and, and his perspective on the world changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long, that's That's, that's very much along the lines of, of what I was thinking. and, Again, I may be reading too much into it. I, I don't know. But that's just, that's the beauty of this movie is it's so open to interpretation because of how creative the storytelling is. Like, I I can't picture a better way to explore all the different villains that they took a look at, to explore the origin story for Miles Morales the way that they did, to introduce the multiverse theory, for crying out loud. Yeah, big deal. Like, okay, I mean, Doctor Strange tried to look at time travel and and, and being able to open up different uh, portals to other dimensions, and it was just very trippy. It was, it was very, very trippy and hard to keep up with, but I kept up with this one super well. And honestly, I haven't read a whole lot of the Miles Morales comics. I haven't watched a whole lot of the animated Spider-Man TV shows or anything like that. I mostly know about Miles Morales from reference. And yet I was able to pick up on his story and embrace it and enjoy it and understand it right off the bat, just going in cold. And that's one of the things that I appreciated about this movie is how accessible it is. Because even if you don't know Kingpin from the Daredevil series, you could still see his physique and come to recognize, oh, okay, he's the big bad guy. No doi. Like, like literally. Like, literally, he's like a walking he's wall. The, he's, he's the big bad. Like, Literally. And anybody that knows anything about Spider-Man knows that he lost his Uncle Ben. So they kind of gloss it over a little bit in this story, which is great. We don't need to explore Uncle Ben's death again. Let's take a look at some of the repercussions that comes afterwards. And that was one of the cool things that I loved about Peter B. Parker's story was... Here's the deal. We're not only getting origin stories for Miles Morales... We're getting backstory from just about everybody that's part of this Spider-Gang. And Peter B. Parker is one of the ones that we really, really get to pay a lot of attention to. And it's just really interesting to think that somebody could have made a career out of this. That they've been Spider-Man for 22 years. They've been Spider-Man for 22 years. Yeah. Okay? He he probably took the job when he was, what, 15, 16? So he's probably like 37, 38 by this point like he's approaching
2: approaching approaching their 40s
1: yeah he's he's pushing his 40s and he's living out of an apartment eating pizza with a saggy gut when he gets pulled into the multiverse like holy smokes now all of a sudden you've got this other demographic that thinks oh i can't really be a superhero because xyz oh guess what XYZ happened to this guy, and that means you could be a superhero too. Like, it's just so inspiring. It's just so, so inspiring that, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's use um, Penny Parker, for example. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we've got the potential for anime nerds and international superheroes, you know? We, we look at, at Peter Porker, for example. <laughs> And all of a sudden, The Simpsons is now kind of running through our head, where we're going, Spider-Pig, Spider-Pig, does whatever a Spider-Pig does. Like, there's all these different groups that you're reaching out to, and all these different peoples that have the potential to embrace this movie now. Whether you know about Peter Parker or Miles Morales doesn't matter. You can take all these different cultural references and put them together into one successful, enjoyable time. And that's just one of the many praises that I've got about this film. They do an amazing job of reaching out to the hardcore comic book fans, or the hardcore movie fans, or just the people that watched The Simpsons and took their kids to the movies. Now, all of a sudden, they're humming Spider Pig in their head for the remainder of the movie. You and know, that, it, yeah. it reaches so many people. It
2: does, and that's the that's the great thing about it. And and I do I do want to touch on like all the characters before we have to close it out tonight because. Like you, you have like you have Miles Morales, who is your main protagonist and stuff. But you have you know Spider Gwen, who I believe has never been on screen before, in any other thing. Um, you have multiple Peter Parkers who are very well characterized as being very different, and you know they kind of have you know I, that's one thing. And I was wondering about like, going into this movie like Hobo Spider Man. Like, w- what's the deal with this? And it's it's explained really really well and done really really well. And then you have, you know, Spider-Man Noir, who is played by Nick Cage, as we mentioned. And he's just great, because, you know, and, and they keep, like, going back to the animation, like, each of these characters keeps their certain style of animation, even in this universe. So you're having meshing of different types of animation, like, Penny Parker is very anime and she stays anime, and she looks anime, even when she's interacting with Miles Morales and all these other characters. Spider-Man Noir is always black and white, down to, I love the ending when he's going back and he's got a Rubik's Cube. He's like, I don't understand this, but I'm going to take it back with me, because <laughs> he just, he color it just does not jive with his universe, Um and then you have Penny Parker who is from the future and she's got a robot. It's just this great team of people and it's not like everyone's got the same powers. It's like they picked a really great group of you know different characters that are super unique and are related but also bring so much new to the table including Spider Pig who is probably stand out here and you know most of his Best jokes are probably in the trailer, but he's still super funny in this movie.
1: Okay, but they did save one of his jokes for the movie, which I loved. Oh, right at the very, very end when he's getting ready to to jump back into his universe, he says, "That's all, folks." <laughs> I love it. I bust out laughing so hard because if you've watched any Looney Tunes, Porky Pig jumps out of a drum and he's like that's all folks
2: one of my favorites is when they go to the banquet where where they're quote unquote honoring Spider-Man and Kingpin's up there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's talking about oh we were such good friends and I was good friends with Spider-Man and, and Gwen's like oh what a pig <laughs> and Spider-Man, Spider-Man just looks over he's like I'm right here <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, and then and then Spider Man Noir recognizes that it's really just the the servers are all in Spider Man suits with bow ties, and he's like, it can't be that easy, can it? <laughs> and then they cut to the scene where they're all in bow ties, and they're like, yep, it's that it, easy. It can't be that easy.
2: And I also love the bit where they're in the they're like hiding from Miles's roommate. It's in the trailer, but it's still and they're it's all hilarious. Moving, like yeah. from
1: side to side, different corners of the it's room. Like, can
2: can animals talk
1: in this universe? Because I don't want to freak him out. <laughs> John Mulaney, okay, John Mulaney legend. was the perfect choice for this voice, okay? He's, he's kind of nasally, but also very uh-huh. dry, very sarcastic. If you've watched anything of John Mullaney's stand-up, you would know, like, instantly who he would be in a movie like this, and he played it perfectly, like, it was, yeah. again, just amazing casting. Just an amazing job all around. I I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed Spider-Man Noir just because uh, I I really enjoy some of the old school comics and some of the old school takes. Uh, Logan actually has a noir version where they turn off the tint and you watch the whole movie in black and white. Oh and it's really fun. It really is. The night sequences are a little tough to watch, but you can turn off the brightness and it makes a bit more sense. But... I really enjoyed stuff like that and, and again one of the, one of my favorite interactions was between Spider-Man Noir and uh, Peter Porker because he's trying to solve the Rubik's cube at Aunt May's house and he's like, "Did I get this one? No. Is this purple? No." <laughs> like <laughs> like 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 Spider-Ham is just kind of done with it just a little bit. Like at one point I was waiting for him to just say, "Yeah, congratulations. You got it." But Have no. you
2: seen the video? I think he, I can't remember, I, can, I think John Mulaney was on the Tonight Show or whatever, and there's a whole reel of his quote-unquote not safe for work <laughs> um, um, PG uh, rated R cuts of Spider-Pig's lines. And, oh, I didn't,
1: oh no, I didn't know that there yeah, was an you, R you, version.
2: Yeah, you gotta look this up. It's, it's, it's John Mulaney as Spider-Pig, and it's all these, I mean, he's, he ends up like cursing. <laughs> He's like, "These are all the cut lines. They let they let me cut loose and do these lines, but they cut them out of the movie." And it's Spider big like bleep, bleep. It's funny. Ooh. Oh, oh man! I'll, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to send it to you. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes too, so you guys can enjoy it too. Cause, I,
1: uh... <laughs> I need I need to get I didn't I need to get my eyes on this yeah. just a little bit. It is funny. It so is funny. here's 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 the here's the one person, I, and I, I, here here's the weird thing, like. I love this cast. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But if there was one person that I wish could have had a role in this movie, I really, really wish that this movie would have just taken the king of animated voices and put him in this movie as well. None other than H. John Benjamin. Oh. He He's done so many different voices. Like, you may not even recognize some of the different voices that he's done. But some of his notable roles include um, Bob from Bob's Burgers. Oh. And he plays Archer on Archer. (laughs) Wow. And, I mean, those are are just two of his bigger roles. But he's done a lot, a lot with animation. And if he could have done a version of one of the Spider-Men, I think I probably would have just about died in the theater. Like, yeah, they
2: mostly, I mean, all credit to this cast. They mostly picked like on-screen actors to do they this. Did. I mean, I mean Jake, jo- uh, Jake Johnson, Chris Pine, uh, you know, all these pretty much. I would love to see some classic, you know, voice actors kind of come back and play some more characters in this thing. Would love to see some, you know, John DiMaggio, James Earl Taylor, that'd be really cool.
1: Oh, that would be cool. Well, I mean, if they're working on other future uh, endeavors, then uh, who knows? maybe that door is still open somewhere some way down the pipe. who knows? possibly possibly um, man, you know, we really really haven't done a whole lot in in the actual sequence, but that's just because there's just so many different things to uh to particular particularly touch on. Um, but I mean, I think downtown Brooklyn and the Alchemex lab. And maybe some of the tunnels, and Kingpin's tower, uh, along with maybe the, what do you call it, the the hideout at Aunt May's. Right. Those are those are probably some of like the the biggest uh, scenes, like some of, some of the biggest uh, locations that we keep repeating in there. What did you make of the of the selection of where they were and how much time they spent at those locations? Did the pacing ever feel off to you or did it feel like it was pretty well timed I feel like it was I feel like the pacing was really
2: well done I think it it moved and you know it didn't it didn't bore you with you know different you know like spending too much time in any particular place I think you know you're you're introduced to you know Miles you kind of get to know him a bit and then you're thrown kind of into the action you get to meet the current Spider-Man and then he's not around very long. And then he's dead. And then you had the Collider, you know, thing. And, you know, it kind of... The, the whole plot really unravels from there when you get to see, you know, everything from Miles' perspective. So I think, I think, if anything, the the if there's one thing that was really well done, it was the pacing and the editing and how this movie was laid out. And it really... You know, it, it's going... Like, the overall plot is going kind of where you expect. Like you can kind of see like oh they're going to get back, you know, Miles is going to have a showdown with the Kingpin whatever, but it's still very satisfying. It's very, you know, this is fun, a lot of great action especially towards the end, and then you get a, you know, final showdown and Miles gets to come into his own, which was great.
1: Yeah, I okay, so the school was another location that I that I forgot to mention, and I think the the sequence where uh, Peter's talking to Miles about, you know, can you shock me right now? Can you turn invisible on command? Can you get out of this situation right here, right now? Prove to me that you're ready for this. And Miles can't. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty powerful scene because right before it, he's talking about you wouldn't understand, and Gwen's like, dude, we're probably the only people who do understand what you're going through right now. <laughs> yeah. Like... It, it's it's heartwarming and gut-wrenching all at the same time to to watch him go through these struggles. You know, he just lost a family member. Things are tumultuous with his family. He wants to do something, but he doesn't know what. Like, it's just, it's great, great storytelling. And then to, to have him, quote-unquote, all tied up and his dad comes to see him, comes to talk to him, but... Peter stuck some web over his mouth so he can't talk to him. And it seems like it's the silent treatment. Like he's kind of got this make or break moment where he could struggle and make noise. And his dad would, you know, jump in and help him and rescue him. And then he could decide whether he wanted to like reveal that identity to his dad and then go off and save the day. But he chose to just sit there. He chose to just sit there and take it. And I really feel like that was one of his biggest turning points where rather than relying on somebody else and relying on uh, on his dad or on Peter or on whoever, he decided he wanted to try and fix this himself, even if it came at the expense of his relationship with somebody that he was close to. Like, that was a big, big decision that I don't think gets enough credit for this film. He really, really had to decide... Who he wanted to be in that moment? Do you want to be the guy that gets help from your dad who breaks into your dorm room and cuts you free, or do you want to sit there and ignore your dad when he's trying to reach out to you, just so you can take care of things on your own and potentially repair the relationship later?
2: Yeah, that was a that was a powerful scene,
1: because, man.
2: You know, you have in that relationship like he's on he's on good terms with his dad, but he's not like you can tell there's something there there's something missing and you know you can tell they care about each other but there's ultimately just there, there's not not a great connection there so it's a great scene where you kind of have a heart to heart with he had a heart to heart conversation and it's something that you know Miles is not you know able to talk but he's still there and you know it's all the more you know emotional for him because you know he knows what happened to Uncle Aaron um, you know, and it's a, it's a big deal, and then ultimately it leads him to, you know, building up his strength and escaping himself, and, you know, going through this montage of kind of proving to himself, and then pro- ultimately proving to the team that he's able to do this on his own.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, he he kind of surprises everybody, too, when he shows up at the Collider. Like, like Peter's just sitting there going, Wait a second, how is Doc Ock punching herself in the face? And then he shows up and he's like, Whoa, Miles? <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't teach him that. Did you teach him that? Oh, I definitely did not teach him that and I know you didn't. Like there's this bickering and bantering going on over who the better mentor was, essentially. When in reality, Miles is kind of figuring things out for himself. He's kind of coming into his own. Which turns into like a very cheerworthy moment because you're sitting there going man, I knew you just a couple hours ago when you were a lost teenager who was blaming everything on puberty and now here you are the like taking things in stride and saving the day. it was just really really cool to see
2: oh yeah yeah it 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 was really I will say if I had to if I had to re- really nitpicky <laughs> again miles's turnaround from kind of being this kid who doesn't know quite what he's doing to being really professional really like like knows what he's doing he's going off buildings you know and earlier in the movie which is one of my the my favorite like laugh out loud moments that I legitimately laughed out loud in the theater at was when he goes up to the you know the top of the building he's going to jump off and they build up to it and the music swells and then he just they show him going back down the stairs like nah screw that I'm not doing yep. that that was hilarious <laughs> yep. But going from yep. that, going from that kid who is scared to do that to, you know, this guy who's willing to jump off this tall building and do all this and come ultimately comes in and, and kicks Kingpin's ass. Like it was, a, it was a bit of a quick turnaround, but at the same time, like it was satisfying and it was all around. Like it wasn't like this, you know, cliche, you know, long training montage. It was just miles you know proving his mentors wrong and i think that's something that is important in stories when you know, you have mentors go nah you're not ready for this you, you gotta sit down and train more and then sometimes the the young one you know knows better and you know you, you can't let anybody tell you no
1: well and i think it, it also kind of harkens to this concept of you've had it in you all along you know, right, he's, he's right. got these powers and he's always had this desire to be more than he is and, and do better than, uh, than, than people expect of him. And it just took the right moment to bring it out. And kind of like the, the invisibility that kind of just sort of happened while they were at the Alchemax lab, it was a fight or flight function. I think this moment that Peter put him in was a fight or flight moment. He had to realize, okay, I could be this way or I could be this way. What am I going to choose to do? And as soon as he chose, as soon as he embraced who he was, as soon as he took advantage of that moment, everything just started clicking. Everything just sort of fell into place. Right. And I think that is one of the beautiful things that helps you avoid that cliche, taking time off to train, blah, 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 because you're under a time crunch. You know, Kingpin gave Doc Ock 24 hours. You know, that stereotypical, you've got 24 <laughs> hours. You know, you don't have time to prep and train. You've got to do something about this now. And for him to be able to do that the way that he did was just very inspiring. I didn't think it was bad, like, at all.
2: Yeah, it, it was really, I think they did well with this, and they did well with just, you know, characterizing Miles. And I think he's just, a, he's the one that kind of holds, is the glue that holds this whole film together. And I'm really looking forward to in the future, you know, seeing what they do with him. Um, I've heard through various sources that, of course, you get that tease at the end where Gwen coming back. So, like, maybe, uh, you know, we'll we'll see more of them too. And who knows what else? I don't know what even it's going to be called. Like, is it going to be Into the Spider-Verse 2? Is it going to be more Miles-focused and we'll see less of, you know, the the different universes? I don't know. But uh, that that post credit scene definitely seemed to show some other stuff. But I, I think just Miles, I think people are really, like... That character was already popular, especially with, you know, um, African-Americans who, you know, love him. But I think he's really developed a fan base out of this, and people are going to want to see, like... People are now going to be really demanding that he show up in the MCU now.
1: Oh, well, I mean there's always going to be demands for this character or that character to show up in the MCU. But I think the fact that he's already been referenced gives the potential for that to actually happen. It just, it needs to, it needs to start in the, the Spider-Man franchise before it extends into like the Avengers or something like that. But I think, I think the door, I think the door is open for it. It's just, it's a, it's a process. It's a, it's a rather involved process, unfortunately. But uh, we've got a couple more rather movie specific questions that we want to touch on, things that we put in our show notes and just haven't asked each other yet. Uh, But we're going to get to them in just a second. For now, we're going to hit the pause button for just a moment, go to a brief program identification and commercial break, and we'll see you on the flip side as we wrap up our discussion of Into the Spider Verse.
0: This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky
1: and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other... Podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars, Last Jedi, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and so much more. I record it with my friends, Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all all about it.
2: Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, Guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast
0: talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com
1: or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh?
0: If I'm crazy, I'm on my own If I'm waiting, it's on my throne If I sound lazy, just ignore my tone Cause I'm always gonna answer when you call my phone Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger?
1: And we're back, getting ready to give our final thoughts, closing statements, planet scores for our discussion of Into the Spider-Verse. If you're listening live on Channel1138.com, go ahead and send us your planet scores. That is ranking out of 10, with 10 being the highest. You can also reach out to us on social media if you're listening on iTunes or uh, Google Play. Send us what you think your score out of 10 would be, and we'll add it to our audience database and uh, we'll talk about what the final numbers were on next week's episode. Uh, don't know exactly yet what we're discussing. We're still in the works to to finalize these last two weeks yeah. of January, mm-hmm. and then we move into a very, very full schedule. But uh, it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. But for now, we're just going to take a look at some pretty standard questions that we ask of just about every movie, Ben. Uh, what do you think was your favorite moment from Into the Spider-Verse?
2: Ooh, that's a hard question question, because there's a lot of great moments in this movie. There really is. Oh, for it, sure. I, I, would, I would dare to say I mean, can I say the part between the the opening previews and the end credits? Is that a favorite moment? Can I, I, mean, can I use that?
1: I, I was about to say something similar. Just <laughs> to be completely honest.
2: I, I don't... Like, I, you know what? I'm going to say something quite opposite. I don't want this to sound like um backhanded because I enjoyed the entire movie but the post credit scene got me it okay. totally got me I think that might be one of my favorite scenes maybe not my favorite scene but off the top of my head that one just hit me in the funny one I that was, that was hilarious and for those who don't know and if you've seen the movie you don't know holy crap you you walked out way too early um but it's you know Spider-Man Future Spider-Man Miguel something or another and he, uh, it's, it's it's Oscar Isaac playing Spider Man, and then he goes all the way back to the beginning into the pointing Spider Man meme, <laughs> and continues <to laughs> proceeds to have a long and drawn out argument about who pointed first. Um, so that just freaking that was freaking hilarious. I love that.
1: It was it was pretty great because again, it reaches out to the audience that does a lot of Uh meme-making, you know? Like, you you only understand that reference if you understand that particular meme. And it's interesting how memes have kind of, like, wrapped themselves up in our communication styles and our culture just a little bit. This wasn't something that we were really going to actually talk about today, but I kind of want to, like, get your thoughts on this Uh because... It's it's actually, like, a legit question that I think is going to show up in the history books one day. Like, memes have taken over so much of what's going on here that you can literally look at a series of pictures and you could translate it into, like, an actual phrase. So I'm going to send you a picture, Ben, and I might put it on the IPC page as well. Okay. I'm gonna send this to you on Facebook, and I want to see if you can actually discern what this meme is saying, because it's a series of pictures. But like when I read it, I actually understood what it was saying, and it really freaked me out. Oh boy. Okay. Let's see.
2: There's. Oh, okay. English. Eng... Okay. English test. Tests in 30 years. Question five. What is the meaning of this meme? And then it's got the what is this guy? I don't know what the name of the meme is. I'm guessing this is is there's a snake in my boot is this is this what I'm looking at here?
1: essentially essentially <laughs> so it's deeper than that I'm guessing it's it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit deeper than that so this is this is that question this is this is that type of meme where you've got the guy with the hand. Uh, outstretched and he's looking at something and it and it's it's like what you're looking at is usually a caption is this and then there's a, a what? And then there's a question like the, the the guy the character asks the question underneath and he's like is this blah blah blah. So have you seen the it's free real estate memes? Oh yes I have. Yeah so the the meme underneath at the caption there is the picture of the guy from that meme that says it's free real estate. So the, the dude asking the question is covered by a snake that is superimposed over the guy's face. And it's looking at the boot, which is Woody's boot from Toy Story. So it's a snake looking at Woody's boot, asking the question, is this free real estate? That is deep
2: memeing
0: i know that is
2: look look i i am a connoisseur of memes all right i love me some good memes and i consider memes in all honesty an art form this is peak memes right here (laughs) i'm telling you like this is intellectual memes like these people are thinking this about like you have to think about it man this is this is a genius
1: like it blew my mind that i can look at this series of pictures and understand the question that it's asking just by understanding the context of the memes and understanding pixar tr- like trivia on a like that, on, that's on all a it took. on a much
2: lower level there's there's you know star wars prequel memes are like big time nowadays um there's one that floats around it's can you can you tell what a prequel meme is even without a caption and it's got Obi-Wan and Revenge of the Sith going so uncivilized but it doesn't have the caption but you know what he's saying so you just say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just you just say it to yourself. You don't you don't need any help with that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean memes are such a deep rich part of our culture and i did post it to our twitter page by the way if you go follow us on ipc podcast i'm gonna go and post this picture right now hopefully it'll upload my internet's kind of crappy right now but uh it was just one of those things that blew my mind i was like memes are taking over the world we don't really need pictures like we don't don't, we're hardly gonna need words anymore we're basically making our way back to hieroglyphics I mean, thanks to, thanks like, to memes at, and emojis. Look at look at what gifs are doing now. People mm-hmm. have full conversations with gifs. Dude, I've done that before. I've had entire conversations with people using just gifs. And yes, I'm saying gifs because it's g for graphic. I, I'm I'm saying gifs just to piss people off. <laughs> yeah, you're pissing me off right now. <laughs> yes, it's, it's working. Damn it. But I've had entire conversations like that before. Maybe not with you, but you and I have had some pretty timely uh, gift conversations in our day before, though. So, oh yeah, uh, maybe maybe one of these days we just need to have like an entire like game planning session for the podcast using just GIFs and see how it turns out.
2: <laughs> like try try <laughs> to try to get a a good conversation going.
1: Yeah, that would that would be that would be interesting. That would going, be amazing. Going back to favorite moment, I I did enjoy that post credit scene but I think my favorite scene may actually be what we're using for Quote of the Night tonight. Oh. So I, I think that may be an appropriate shall transition we, before we go. Shall we get into it then? We, we might as well. So I, I again, this is this is like almost a, a gaming reference at one point because as Miles is learning how to shoot his web, um, Peter tells him to double tap to release. And I'm like, oh man, that's that's pretty much something you would tell to somebody that's like trying to learn how to fly Spider-Man on the on the PS4. When he's slinging his webs, you double-tap to release, and then you shoot again. So there were just certain references like that, and then I think at one point, um, Gwen shows up, and he's like, how many Spider-People are there? And he says, save it for Comic-Con. Like, uh, yeah, it's something you see in the trailer, but it's still something you laugh at. I had a ball laughing at some of these sequences and enjoying some of the action sequences. But uh, I think it's a lot better if we listen to it rather than describe it. So, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to our uh, our friendly neighborhood mixler playlist and introduce you to tonight's quote of the Night. Enjoy. Oh!
0: Act super normal? Selecting a bagel? Spider Man? You know that's funny. I get that a lot. Hey. Spider Man? Hey! He took a bagel! All right, time to swing, just like I told you. When did you teach me that? I didn't. It's a little joke. Team building. All right, you ready? Of course I'm not ready! Whoa! Ah! Oh, Whoa! Oh. I can't do this yet! Everybody knows that the best way to learn is under intense life-threatening in pressure. Oh. Oh. oh, come on, come on, come on. Uh-oh. Target's been spotted. What are you doing down there? Where you want it! Oh. Yeah. Aim with your hips! Look where you want it to hit! <laughs> Do it. Double tap to release and quip it out again. Okay. Swift and release it. Twist, release. Whip and release. You're an actor. Flip. Flip. release. Feel the rhythm? Good okay. miles. I gotta say amazing, man. We're a little teeth. Me as the teacher who could still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? (laughs) Peter! Wanda? It's Gwen, actually.
1: Oh, you know her. Very cool.
0: I'm from another dimension. I mean, another, another dimension.
1: So there's one particular line in there that I wanted to highlight before we move on to our next question. Um, when he's trying to learn how to sling his webs, Miles says, I run better than I sling. Yes. Yes. Now, once he learns to harness his powers, did you notice, compared to this scene in this movie where they're swinging from tree to tree, they're basically conforming to Peter's style. Yeah. When he's using the webs to jump from building to building later on, Miles is using the webs to pretty much enhance his running more than to actually be swinging. And yeah, I felt like that I, was something that was that was noteworthy because everybody has a different style with their web slinging. And Miles is doing it pretty much as like a fancy spiderized version of parkour more than actual swinging, like on a vine.
2: Yeah, because they're like there's that great shot that's in the trailers too, where you see he swings, and he swings way down, and he comes right between some cars in the street, and he's just running. And instead of, like, stopping or whatever, he just keeps running until he goes back up into the air. And, like, I love that they incorporated that into his style, that he is not like Peter Parker. He's not just, like, you know, bouncing off buildings. Like, he's just, like, running, and he runs off a rooftop, and he falls and, you know, swings, and, like, it's incorporated into this, like, really distinct, distinct, uh, you know, groove that he has with his web singing. And I think... That's that's a, just another brilliant way of characterizing Miles as his own, you know, as his own Spider-Man. He's not, you know, your traditional Spider-Man. Not only is he, you know, wearing a cool suit, a black suit, and sometimes a hoodie, but also he just acts different, which is really cool.
1: It's it's a great visual representation of standing apart, absolutely, and 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 making yourself stand out and becoming your own guy. Like yeah, he got into a bit of a groove because Peter was telling him to. But then when he came into his own, he did it his own way, and it turned out very, very well for him. So right. uh, that that leap of faith—if I had to pick like a, like a, like a screenshot of one of my favorite sequences—that leap of faith off of that skyscraper, as he's kind of like falling, and the skyscrapers are almost like upside down or something like that. Like that was just beautiful. It, that is that is an amazing
2: shot. That shot
1: alone deserves an Oscar. <laughs> I'm like, telling you, that is absolutely like, stunning. One of you know, one one of these days they're going to have to create a a division of the Oscars that's called like best movie screen grab or something like that. Something that is like the most wallpaper worthy screen cap you could possibly get. I'm thinking like like from Avengers Infinity War, Cap holding on to Thanos's arm as he's trying to punch him and, he, and he's like screaming at the, at the, at the gauntlet. That would be one. Or maybe when, uh, when Thor and rocket and Groot all show up in Wakanda and they're kind of sitting there in like their little semicircle after transporting, uh-huh. that would be a great one. Um, I'm thinking the shape of water. I know you probably haven't seen it, but there's a sequence at the very, very end where the leading why lady, why would you and, assume and, that I haven't seen man. something? Dude, Okay. You haven't seen Despicable Me. I can't assume that you've seen The Shape of Water in the last year if you haven't seen Despicable Me in the last seven. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> just, I'm throwing you under no, the bus No, no, I deserve it. I deserve
2: it. I am totally joking <laughs> here. I deserve it. You just if you think of a movie, assume I
1: haven't seen it. Uh chitty chitty bang bang.
2: I've seen parts of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um uh it's a wonderful life. Thousand times, yes. Okay, so you've you got to do better seen, than that. You've seen you've seen one of the classics, um, Lion King, one and a half.
2: Um, no, no.
1: Okay, well, save yourself and don't watch it. <laughs> uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, do, 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 do do Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Nope. Okay, save yourself. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this may be fun. For those of you listening live, send us a few more movies to ask if Ben's and, seen it or not. Yeah,
2: if if you – I mean you could do this on Twitter very easily and just harass me about this, as some people do. <laughs> but we, we could also turn it into an episode one time, like just like
1: what ep- what stuff has Ben hasn't seen? It's like movies. most of it. Okay, actually that would be a really fun episode where we try and pick like movies that maybe we, we think maybe those of us have or have not seen, like just you and I. And for every one that somebody hasn't seen, the other guy gets a point.
2: Yeah. Also, I think a good game would be, to you have to convince the other person if you that you've seen a movie, and maybe you haven't, maybe you have. It's just you're, you're either you have seen the movie, and you're telling the truth, or you're bsing your way through it, and you ha- people have to see through that. It's kind of like one, two, three, but
1: like different. I uh, I I I see the similarities, and I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I'll have to Play uh, with that potentially something that we'll play on another episode. But we're we're kind of crunched for time tonight, so let's get to the next question, which would be favorite character. Ooh. That's that's a tough one because there's a lot of great characters in this movie. Yeah,
2: there is. There is. Um, you may go first.
1: I I I need a second to think. Have you decided on one?
2: If I can talk or something in my throat for some reason. Um, uh oh. But uh, oh man favorite character i i'm gonna go with chris pine spider-man the original peter parker okay i just liked his whole thing i liked you know he was he was the quintessential spider-man like he was this guy who is he he's not surprised by anything he's just doing the same old same old this is a really bad situation and he's taking it seriously but he's also like he doesn't miss a chance to you know, say a quick line or, or a quick joke or whatever, you know, you know, uh, it, it's, it, he's, he was great, and, and and it really surprised me when he died, to be honest, because I was like, oh, this is the hobo Spider-Man, and something like that, and it was that, that, you know, taking him away and actually showing Spider-Man died, and, you know, the reaction to that, and this Spider-Man, he's gone, but then having Miles take over that thing, I think
1: it was great. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it just because, like you said, he was super casual about it. Like, he knew what his role was, he embraced it, and he did his job, and he did it well, but he also, like, knew how to have fun about it. I, right. I totally see that. I, I I want to pick Jake Johnson's Spider-Man just because I've always enjoyed Jake Johnson. I love who he plays in New Girl. Like, he's the reason I enjoy New Girl because Nick Miller from New Girl combined with Chandler Bing from friends. (laughs) I feel like that is my spirit animal. Like if you took, if you took some of the elements, like the writer element and, and the, the, the clumsy, um, turns to turns to whiskey before it turns to anything else, rather out there kind of guy that, uh, that Nick is that feels like me, but then I'm also very socially awkward and, uh, and weird like Chandler is, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like those two guys kind of make up who I am. And so I definitely saw elements of myself in Peter Parker's Spider-Man, but like uh, Jake Johnson's Peter Parker. But um if I had to pick a favorite character, the daredevil nerd in me really loved Kingpin's character. He was great. I loved having Kingpin in there as the opposition to Spider-Man like you said because that's that's what he usually is in the comics. He's usually He's usually Spider-Man's opponent, and even at one point, you know, Chris Pine, right before he died, he was like, "Hey, Kingpin, how's business?" And he's like, "Boomin!" It was—it was like they were old pals because they just seen so much of each other. And then to—to to recognize that his whole reason for wanting to open the multiverse, his whole reason for funding Doc Ock and the collider, was because he was trying to get back. Uh, Vanessa and his son, Richard.
2: Yeah, and it's funny, this comes right after Daredevil Season 3. Right. Where, spoiler alert, Kingpin gets out of prison and gets married to a Vanessa. Exactly. And that was, like, a really cool tie-in with that. And then, <laughs> it's funny, Daredevil and Spider-Man, two Spider-Man, kick
1: Kingpin's ass in one year. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, yes, in, in one cinematic year, yes. Right, right, But Richard probably looks to be around eight years old, maybe. Like, he's he's young, but he's not super young. He's, he's probably in the eight to ten region, I would think. And Vanessa's kind of got these gray streaks in her hair a little bit, right. at least from what we can see of these visions. And so they've been together for several years. Kingpin's been building his empire, and he's been doing it For his family. And now that he doesn't have his family. He feels lost. And he's putting everybody else under pressure. He's putting everybody else on timelines. He's spending bukoos of cash. To try and do something that may or may not work. And he's being foiled by multiple spider people. Because he's trying to get his family back.
2: And there's also also a big difference between the Vanessa in Daredevil. And Vanessa here is... Vanessa and Daredevil, like, she's kind of got her own dare, uh, Kingpin side to her. Like, she, like, in season three, she's, like, calling the shots, and she's, like, getting involved in the whole, you know, evil things that Kingpin does. And in this one, she runs away with Richard because she sees him punching Spider-Man and, like, discovers what he's doing. So I thought that was interesting that like they 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 kind of the characterizations there were a bit different.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the presentation of the characters is is very different. Um I just kind of saw it as if you've been at this for so many years, maybe she's finally just gotten tired of it. Possibly. And and seeing what he was doing to Spider-Man was just kind of the last straw. Maybe she thought by having a kid he'd change his ways and, you know, Richard's pushing 10 years old or whatever. She thought for the last decade that he'd been on the straight and narrow when he's actually been fighting Spider-Man behind her back.
2: And also props to them for not shying away from dealing with something pretty, you know, you know, hard and pretty intense with, you know, Kingpin losing his family and trying to get in the back. This true. And this is a quote-unquote kids movie, animated movie. Like, no, it's dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. And also it still brings it around to Kingpin doing something that is relatable. He's a relatable character still, even though he's this bad guy that's in this universe with all these villains. Like, he's still doing something that, like, it's understandable what he's doing. He's not just doing it because he's evil, he's doing it to get his family back. And it's selfish to want to, you know, potentially destroy the world to try to do that, but, you know, it's still understandable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's... It just gives even more depth to his character. I really wasn't expecting to get any more Kingpin this year. I really wasn't.
2: wasn't. I wasn't either.
1: I I thought I was done, and then we get this storyline, and it proved to be one of my favorite storylines out of all the ones that we got. Don't get me wrong. I loved all the Spider Gang. I loved seeing the the Scorpion cameo. I loved seeing what they did with the Prowler. They did a lot of really great things with this movie, but the Kingpin storyline was one of my favorites of the whole film.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: Um. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip one question and go to the one that that's probably looming on everybody's minds because the Hollywood Reporter has has been buzzing recently that um there's there's definitely sequels slash spinoffs in the works. So let's ask the obvious. What are your hopes for whatever's going to be coming after this? What do you want to see from this universe? based on what we got from this one.
2: Um, I mean, obviously, I think they, they did a really good job of balancing and dealing with all these different universes and all these different characters from those universes. It'd be cool to see, like, just different stuff um, and different universes and different characters. But also, I think, you know, Miles kind of coming into his own more because we, we he, they set him up as Spider-Man, but, like, there's a lot of villains in this universe. This, this universe... It's not like the MCU in the way that it's kind of just started up and the Avengers are kind of, you know, there. Like, Spider-Man seems to be, like, one of the only superheroes in this universe, and he's been around a long time. And with the original Spider-Man gone, now Miles kind of inherits his problems. So, like, what if he has to face down the Sinister Six in the next movie, and Miles kind of has to, instead of having all this backup, has to do it on his own, and he has to figure it out. So it kind of subverting the expectations and doing something a more personal story with Miles might be really interesting
1: well but I think part of what gave Miles such a great identity was the support system that he had around him Right. so it's kind of a catch 22 because it's implied that Gwen is able to talk to him between universes so maybe there's a way to transport between universes maybe there's a crisis in somebody else's world and they have to go help somebody else next time it would be sure. interesting to see an adventure in uh, Penny Parker's future universe. Yeah, I think I think that would be cool because now that she doesn't have the robot, maybe she has to try and save the world a different way. And they call on Miles and Gwen and everybody else to come and help her in her universe. Um, they, you know, th- that's the cool thing about having the multiverse open and having this many characters is you've got just so much potential to tap into. Uh, that would probably be my personal first choice, but since we're looking at sequels rather than potential like spinoffs, uh, I think if there's ever going to be a sequel, it needs to be maybe against the Sinister Six, and it probably needs to happen in Peter B. Parker's world. We need some more closure beyond what we got with him delivering flowers to MJ. You know, I yeah. want I want to see a reunion between the two of them and his return to being full-fledged Spider-Man and his attempts at becoming a dad being the things that kind of, like, strain the situation even more than the Sinister Six are even doing. And the only way that he can, you know, save the day and save his relationship is by calling on his friends from this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be great, too. I'd love to catch up with him and, you know, that relationship – that the relationship between Miles and, and Peter B. Parker – was great, and I would love to see them interact some more.
1: Oh, absolutely. You and me both. You and me both. Okay, well, I guess we're into final thoughts and planet scores. Don't forget, if you're listening live, send us your rating for this movie out of 10, with 10 being the highest. We'll add it to our audience totals. But, uh, Ben, what are your final thoughts on Into the Spider-Verse, and uh, what kind of ranking would you give this movie? All right, well, this is this is... This is easy, but
2: also tough, because it's it's such a great movie, and I think, you know, overall, it's it's one of the best movies of the year, easily, and one of the best animated movies I think any of us have seen in a while, and I think it really brings, it's just a breath of fresh air to the genre and to superhero genre, and it, it it's really just, it was just an unexpected pleasure to get this movie. And overall, I think they just executed just so perfectly. I mean, I don't want to say perfect. I think that's like it's irrelevant. No movie is really perfect, and I'm sure if you looked, there's probably some flaws with this movie. But it's what matters is that the flaws don't matter. That it's so good that you don't care about the flaws, and that's exactly what Spider Verse does. It just gives you great characters, a great story, with absolutely stunning animation. And groundbreaking animation. And the visuals are just out of this world. Quite literally. And just overall I think. It just sets up this universe. And does something in a world where. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is just dominating. And it's just the biggest thing in the world right now. It does something that's adjacent to that. But it's also doing it's own thing. And it just pulls people in. And like. It's it's just affecting people, and I see people all the time talking about, especially on Twitter and stuff like that, about how much this movie affected them, but, like, I went to Wizard World in New Orleans the other day, and you would not believe how many Spider-Man cosplayers there were at that convention. So many. So many. And there was several Miles Morales. There was several from Spider-Verse, um, which was great. And I feel like Spider-Man is a great character, and one of the most popular superhero characters, but, like, the mania around this movie and the, you know, the whole thing that has brought to him with Spider-Verse has been phenomenal. And you can't help but be excited about this movie. Even if you you didn't possibly, maybe didn't care about this movie, like, you can't help but appreciate everyone being so excited about it. Um, So, I'm gonna give it... Man, this is... Like I said, I'm always... Because, you know, you don't... 9.5 9.5 out of 10. I'm going to give it
1: a 9.5. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. A 9.5. Well, so, here's the deal. Before I give my score, my final thoughts, I mean, I've I've talked about how much I've enjoyed this movie the entirety of the evening. So, my my final thoughts are, are going to be a, a little bit different because I would be remiss if... We we went the entire night without talking about the Stan Lee cameo. Oh yeah.
2: Totally. He he's
1: he's he's running a a comic book slash costume store, and it's right after Chris Pine's Peter Parker dies, and he turns to Miles as he's checking him out, and he says, "I'm sure going to miss him." Oh man! And I was like, "Son of a." I wasn't expecting to cry in this movie, but I did. I I shed a tear there because I'm listening to Stan Lee say about Peter Parker. What I say about Stan Lee, I'm sure going to miss him. And I, I know that they recorded that scene a long time ago. I know that we still have more cameos from Lee still yet to be seen. Uh, it's probably going to be even harder to watch in Endgame. I don't know, but I, I this movie just reinforced to me how much I'm going to miss Lee's influence on comics, on movies, on comic cons. He he's still leaving ripples, and that's one of the things that I love about this movie. And you know, like like you said, there's very few things about this film to complain about. Mm-hmm. The story's great. The characters are great. The animation is innovative. It's bright. It's jaw-dropping at certain times. Like, my only regret so far is that I haven't seen it in 3D yet. I feel like the colors are just going to jump out of the screen at you, potentially. It's almost 3D as it is. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, there's just so many amazing elements. The, the character developments and the way things come full circle, like um, Uncle Aaron teaching him the shoulder touch when trying to pick up girls, and he's like, touch him on the shoulder, turns goes, hey. <laughs> like, it was funny in that moment, but then the way Miles' character comes full circle, and he knows how to do the electrocution on command now, he puts his hand on Kingpin's shoulder, tells him, hey, and then zaps the heck out of him. Love it. Oh my gosh. I loved, I loved, I loved seeing that this time around. I didn't catch it the first time, but I loved seeing like miles's character just kind of come full circle as he embraces everything that people have encouraged him to be up to this point it's a great story on top of great animation it's got great fight sequences on top of great heart it's got great music that keeps you engaged but doesn't steal the show like everything about this movie is near perfect my one complaint and here is my one complaint (laughs) Penny Parker is supposedly a technological wizard. She, she's working on this, on this goober device down in Peter's lair like it's nobody's business, like it's super easy. She's munching on snacks while she's making it. If you've got this many people going in there trying to save the day, why didn't you make about five or six goobers instead of just one of them? That way, if somebody gets caught up in some fight with somebody somebody else can try and get to the switch and override the system. That's true. You absolutely have the technology, the time, and the capability to make at least two, three, or four of them. If she made one that easily, she could easily make another, and then you pass it around. But they only made one. So they run the same risk of it getting broken the way it happened with Miles when he broke the first one. Like, I really felt like there should have been a backup or something made. Yes, they still saved the day. Yes, they still had a great Happily Ever After finish. But that's like my one complaint, is if you were able to make one, surely you're able to make another one. Or three. Or four. And they didn't. And maybe that's supposed to add to the drama, to the intensity, blah blah blah, whatever. But, at the same time, if that's my only complaint, that's a pretty tough nitpick. You know? Yeah. yeah. That is that, a that, pretty...
2: that's, that's like super nitpicky. That's not that's not on you. That's the fact that this movie's so good. You had to go that nitpicky.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And as I teased before, um the, the I, I, I've said on Twitter this is an incentive for all of you guys to, to tune in and listen tonight because this is the highest rating that I've given to any movie since we've introduced Planet Scores. And it's one of the highest ratings that I'm going to give to any movie ever. I don't consider I really don't think there's any movie in existence that is truly perfect. I don't. But there are some that are as near flawless as they can possibly be. And I feel like Into the Spider-Verse is absolutely, absolutely, 110% one of those movies. And so I'm joining you, Ben, in giving it a 9.5 out of 10. I I think that's a good place.
2: I think most people agree with us, too, that like, it's not, it's probably not flawless. I think you maybe me point out a good point right there that it's not flawless, but, like, who cares, right? Like, I like, had it, fun. It, it's, it's close to perfect as it gets, and, like, I think people t- t- put too much stock in, like, oh, this movie has flaws, or it's flawless, or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just, it just It's just the way that makes, the movie makes you feel, and the fact that, they got pretty darn close to a perfect movie, and that's all that really matters.
1: It's Here's the deal, man. It's one of those movies where I'm sitting there waiting for the Blu-ray, you know? Oh, I am too, yeah. A- I... As soon as the Blu-ray comes out, it is 100% going into my collection it's so that funny. I can show it to my family, I can show it to my friends, so I can watch it when I want to go on a fun adventure. Like It's one of those ones that is absolutely going into my collection. That's the thing that I
2: love the most about this movie is the fact that it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. I feel like it takes, not just from the perspective of, like, new people that maybe not familiar with Spider-Man. I feel like anybody could walk in this movie, if you have just a vague familiarity with Spider-Man, you could enjoy this movie, because I think it explains it pretty well. Okay, here we go again. I'm going to explain the origin story and tell you how it is, and then they do it again and again for each character as they come in and they make a joke out of it. It's great. But I think it's also great that it's so accessible for families, and that I didn't suspect a single thing that was, could, that, that, like, maybe it was a couple, there is a, there is one joke, (laughs) the spider ham. I just washed my hands, they're wet, that's the only reason, like, that, that joke, to me, kind of reeked of, like, uh, it was a bit suggestive, I think, I don't know, maybe I just have a, (laughs) Maybe I have a dirty mind. I've been a maybe a long. little, but it's there's nothing in there that a parent would have to explain to their kid what that meant on the way home
1: after seeing this movie. There's nothing. in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Thor Ragnarok has an orgy exactly. reference. Exactly. So. Oh,
2: Spider-Man: Homecoming. I just watched the movie the other day. It's great, but it's got a few things that you know might make it awkward between a parent and a kid. And I didn't get any of that in this movie. I think it's very not it's very down to earth it It doesn't need that it it knows it doesn't need that kind of stuff. It's just telling a good right. story with good characters, there's no bad language, there's no suggestive stuff, there's no you know there's not really even a love story that much. There's kind of a hint at it, but not much, and you're just given that, and that's I think we need more stuff like that in a world and in a in content where we're filled with stuff like Daredevil and you know, even the Marvel movies where they have you know bad language sometimes so like that too, we need stuff like this for little kids. And that's why I want to show it to everybody. I want to show it to my little cousins. I want to show it to them and share it with people and say, look, this is a great movie and it's totally accessible and everyone can enjoy it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you, man. It is one of the... Most adventurous, entertaining, wholesome movies of 2018. Absolutely, and uh, it's it's worth watching again and again. And I'm glad that we took the time to uh, to give a little little review of it tonight. Uh, hopefully, it's convinced some of you who haven't seen it yet to go watch it. Uh, I feel like I've convinced Mr. White, who's been listening live tonight, to uh, to go watch it. Uh, sorry, Fluffy. Yeah, fluff- Fluffy, what know, have you been right? doing? I know right. I'm sitting here going, man, you've listened this whole night and we've given away so many spoilers and and you've just you've just been like a trooper through the whole thing. So, uh thank you for going on this marathon with us and thank you to uh to George who was also listening live and I think Michael was also with us for a bit. So, we did have some awesome people that stuck with us. That's the thing though with this movie.
2: There's no big twist at the end or anything. Yeah, that's true. Like it's just it's nothing cliché. It's just you get to the end, and it's there. And that's why I think people took too much stock in like, oh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. No, it really doesn't mean anything. Like, you could still... Jeff is going to go watch this movie. He's going to enjoy the heck out of it. It doesn't matter if he knows a little bit of I spoilers.
1: Hope so. I, I hope so. Um, and I, I hope our patrons are listening too because we couldn't do this show without them. People like Joey Mays, oh, Katie yeah. Horn, Jake Damon. We were actually trying to get Jake on the show, and he said that he had like... Adult obligations that he had to commit to tonight or something adult? like that. Adult, and I was like, "Dude, what? you got to be an adult. That sucks." But no, we being a responsible adult. Come on, Jake. It's scandalous. It's it's simply scandalous. But uh, you know, even with the adulting that goes on, we we do appreciate Joey and Katie and Jake and Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott. These guys are the core of our uh, our support system and we could not do what we do without their help and so uh if you're interested in becoming a patron getting a shout out pretty much every week here on the show and being a part of some exclusive benefits that come with being a patron then be sure to go check out patron.podbean.com slash ipc podcast uh 2019 is uh kind of the year of revamping we did a lot of really cool things in 2018 and we're looking to continue to improve here in 2019 so uh Even the patron system may get a few rearrangements in the midst of all that. So be sure to stay on top of that and keep in touch with us. Uh, You can keep in touch with us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want more updates or you want to communicate with us in more detail about what some of those benefits are and how they can be great to you. Uh, I don't believe it goes higher than $5 a month, which honestly um, you could get like an eggnog latte from Starbucks for $5. (laughs) <laughs> and if you just cut off on one of those lattes per month, you get some really awesome benefits here on the show. So I'm just saying there, there's definitely room for you to be able to do stuff like that if you put your mind to it. And we would love to have you join our team because uh, we, we definitely need the help for the growth and expansion that we're looking to do here in this year and the years to come. Uh, If you want to listen to other episodes of the show, you can also find that on iTunes and Google Play, but you can also find us on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. That is the primary source where we upload all of our episodes to, and it's also got all our information about becoming a patron there as well. So just check us out there if you want to uh, stay on top of our most recent episodes, uh, or you can listen live every Friday night right here on channel 1138.com. Uh, If you want to find other episodes and news from the Star Wars universe, you can find previous episodes of IPC as well as rumors, release dates, breaking news, casting information, and more from the galaxy far, far away by visiting our friends at StarWarsUnderworld.com. So subscribe, leave a review, become a patron, do all those wonderful things, and stay involved with IPC for all of 2019. Now, if you're looking at doing just some one-time stuff, some one-time support, which I totally get, uh, we have some really, really awesome stuff also at Tee Public. That's our uh, swag shop, if you will. That was one of the many things that we launched in 2018. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got tank tops. We've got stickers that can go on your laptop. Uh, everything ranging from about $3 to $30, depending on how much you want to put into it. And uh, believe me, I've gotten some really cool stuff. I got a baseball shirt. I got a t-shirt. I got a hoodie. And I got some stickers not too long ago. They are all nice. super high quality, super awesome. So go check us out there as well at tpublic.com slash user slash podcast. We get about a 20 to 23% commission on everything that you buy. So the more you spend, the more comes back to us, and the more we're able to do here on the program. Nice. Whew, I'm a little out of breath, Ben. Why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find us on social media while I grab a quick drink?
2: All right, so they can follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. That's our official account. Um, and then you can follow Zach personally on Twitter and Instagram at Zach underscore DFW. That's CAC underscore DFW. And then you can follow me, little old me, at Ben Hart with no e. Exactly as it sounds, Hart with no e, on Twitter. Instagram and Facebook and uh, over the weekend, I, as I said, I did a uh, Wizard World New Orleans took a lot of good pictures of all this cool stuff they had there had a had a really good time. so if you want to check those out be sure to head over there, especially to my Instagram and uh, check out the photos, because it was a good time.
1: It's always a good time here at the IPC Podcast, and we want to thank you all for tuning in for this awesome episode that covers Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We've got a couple more awesome pieces of work in store for you for the month of January. We hope that you'll tune in for that, and for everything that we've got here in 2019. There's a lot of awesome movies, a lot of awesome TV shows, and a lot of awesome reviews still to come. Uh, But we do have one... Last little thing that we need to do before we say goodbye. I actually almost forgot about it. Can you believe that?
2: You know what? You know what? I was fixing to say something. I could tell the way you were talking, you were fixing to go, and that's gonna do it. And I was like, what are you doing? You can't do this. No, I I
1: can't break the streak, can I? Yeah, that's that's bad on my (laughs) part. Here, here, here. This this is this is what I deserve. I mean, I'm the one hosting for Crying Out Loud. I should be able to see this next segment in the in the show reel, and uh, I didn't even do it. Wow. And it's like my favorite segment of all time, too. I cannot believe that I almost failed you guys as a host. Uh, stick around for another two more minutes. We've got one last little thing for you guys that we need to talk about tonight. Get out your hashtags. <laughs> Although I don't deserve it this week, apparently but uh, if you're feeling up to it if you're feeling up to putting them in the chat then put them there if you're feeling up to putting them on social media then put them there but not because I told you to because obviously I'm a terrible host (laughs) but get them out one more time anyway folks because it's time for the 217th, 18th, 19th, 20th time something like that it's time for Barbecue Watch Barbecue Barbecue
0: Barbecue 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 it Barbecue it Barbecue it Barbecue sauce Barbecue sauce Barbecue 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 Watch
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, Ben, I'm passing the baton to you Because clearly I'm incapable and I don't deserve to host this segment, honestly. <laughs>
2: well, I, I, you, we're all entitled to a few mistakes so far. Don't I be mean, so it's my first one
1: yourself, in, like, though. what, 200 episodes? So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe cut me a little slack.
2: It's late. It's been a long night, and we are running out of time. I hate to say it, guys. Um, I'm really I'm, – I don't am i know what to talk about. I just know what we probably shouldn't talk about.
1: Barbecued pig?
2: Barbecued ham would probably be a little <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Um, I'm right here. <laughs> right here. Um, yeah, I, I want some more spider ham. So maybe we can get a barbecue reference, and maybe he can get really offended when someone uh, talks about eating him. Um,
1: okay, I, I have one. I actually have one, and it relates to the movie. Um, when they were hosting the benefit for Peter Parker in the movie, yeah, they they, they the gang turns around and Peter B is standing face to face with MJ. And she's asking for more bread. <laughs> Let's let yeah. And and he he gets really apologetic. He's like, "I should have given you the bread you deserve. I just need another chance." And He's using like, the oh, bread brother. as a, like a metaphor for life. It was bad, man. That was so bad. But it it does make me think about uh, uh, bread in the context of barbecue because. Mm-hmm. You know, you use them maybe as, like, buns for sandwiches or you make, like, dinner rolls that kind of accompany the food. Spring Creek Barbecue, which is a, a – I don't know if it's a national thing or a local place, but they they do a really good job about putting out fresh rolls for, for people that are having supper in-house. Ooh, yeah, And uh, – but it, it, it's kind of a catch-22 for me because I enjoy barbecue so much, but I also enjoy hot, fresh bread so much. Yeah. The problem is when I eat that much bread, I get full from the bread and can't have as much barbecue as I would like. So, as somebody that works in a barbecue restaurant, I want to get your take on bread in a barbecue establishment. How much is too much or does such a thing exist? Yeah, see, some
2: people some people don't like bread or don't want it, and other people like want a lot of bread. Um what we serve here actually is either this uh the thick white Texas toast and it's not actually toast. <laughs> we have to explain that to certain people like Texas toast in and of itself is not toast. That's what it's called. Um but it's the thick cut white bread. And then we have these rolls. They're called Hawaiian sweet rolls and if you've ever heard of these or tasted them.
1: Are they like the are they like the King's Hawaiian rolls? King's
2: Hawaiian. Thank you. They're amazing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're amazing. Um, and they taste so good. Um, and yeah, and you put anything on those things; they're delicious. Um, so we have those two, and uh, sometimes I mean, people cannot eat their barbecue without some roll, some uh, some white bread or a roll in there. Uh, I personally prefer rolls, but some people like things. Some people make rib sandwiches out of uh, the bread we give them. So, like that's uh, that's a thing, and yeah, so it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, you, you, you kind of have, you know, the bread is kind of the ultimate filler on the side because, it you know, it's, it, of course, it, it's filling, you know, and plus it's a good, you know, good thing on the side. I, I Anytime I'm at like a buffet, I load up on the bread. I get my rolls because I love rolls.
1: See, I do too. And if I was just eating the rolls at Spring Creek, I would be happy. They are, they are amazing. They are, they are amazing rolls. I love them. But if I have too much of them, then I can't enjoy the meats. Like I, I what I, what I've taken to doing is there's there's something at that restaurant that's I think it's called a twosome plate, where you can get a sandwich and uh and a baked potato, <laughs> yeah, for like for like ten or eleven dollars. It's super good. You get a loaded baked potato with sauce and bacon bits and cheese chives, all that good stuff, and then you can get like a a barbecue sandwich of your choosing like whatever kind of meats you want. And I usually get like marble cut sliced brisket. Ooh. But you can you can get you can get like sausage or turkey or chicken or pulled pork like you can you can choose basically whatever's on the menu and have it put on a put on a sandwich. But by doing that, you're getting both the bread and the barbecue and a potato which I just for one love potatoes. Oh yeah. And so I what I'll end up doing is I'll get, like, the rolls with that order, and instead of using the poppy seed bun that they use for the bread, I'll take the brisket and put it up inside the rolls instead oh, and have, like, yeah. little sliders almost. And then I can also take whatever meat I have left over and put it on top of the potato as well. Nice. So that you have both the meat and the bacon bits, and it's just so, so good. Oh, that's good stuff. So... I mean, there's, there's different ways that you can include it and kind of give some variety and spice it up a little bit. The problem is you just don't want to get so full on the bread that you can't enjoy the entree. Some people know how to pace themselves. I am not some of those people. <laughs> I, uh, I just completely I, understand. I, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. There are some things that I can do, but that's not one of them. <laughs> Another thing I can't do is host this segment properly, apparently.
2: Better luck better next just, time.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to throw myself under the bus a couple more times just because I deserve it. But uh, hopefully that doesn't deter you all from listening to next week's episode of the IPC podcast. Ben, unless you got anything else uh, in the works that I didn't know about or that I've forgotten, I think we can finally call it a night.
2: Yes, we can. I do want to mention really quick, um, be sure to check out our friends at The Sith List. Um, their episode comes out, I believe, this Sunday, and we're recording on Friday. This is Sun, and this Sunday, I think, their episode comes out. Uh, little old me was on it on that podcast, and uh, they were very kind, and uh, you know, g- gave gave good shout outs to IPC, and uh, let me talk about it a bit and promote it, and of course the SWU got to talk about some Star Wars news, talked about Spider Verse two and DC movies, and it was a whole lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so go check that out as soon as it's out. It should be out within a couple of days. The Sith List on iTunes, and it's also on makingstarwars.net.
1: Sounds like you had a good time. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it's always a good time doing a show with you, man. So I'm looking forward to next week's episode. We're either going to be doing a uh, revisit of the Harry Potter universe just to kind of give closure to our discussions from 2018, or we'll be talking about a certain DC movie that made a big splash at the box office. So be sure to tune in to that next week, but for now, I think we're going to be putting this show to bed. Episode 220 of the IPC podcast is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope that you'll tune in next week, but until that time, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Adaptation is the key to survival. And We hope that you all survive until next week's episode here on IPC. Until then, good night, everyone.
0: Oh, Spotty Bell, Spotty Bells swinging through Midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spotty Bells, Spotty Bells quipping all the time. Oh, what fun to swing around New York while fighting crime. Whipping through the streets of New York every night. Wrapping bad guys up in my web so tight Crawling up the walls, making villains fight What fun to make the holidays free from crime tonight Oh, spider bells, goblin spells, vulture laid an egg Spider buggy blew a tire, venom got away hey, Spotty bells, spotty bells, swinging all the way Oh, what fun it is to fight the bad guys every night Swinging through the streets, on a web of spider silk Kicking all the butts of villains and their ilk. Bombs from goblins fling, fling! Pumpkins booming bright, bright! How hard it is to consistently bring peace to New York all night. Oh, Spidey Bells might be swell to do more than fight crime. I got a lot of qualities that don't get much at time. I can sing, I can dance, I tell jokes, I act. I can big bid big deal pay my call me back. Why did I agree? stupid song I have a degree in chemical engineering I thought it would be fun to show this side of me but now I fear it lacks artistic integrity oh Spidey Bells Spidey Bells is this is who I've become Selling out my good name For an impulse buy album Oh, Spidey Bells Spidey Bells I'm filled with deep regret I'm cancelling this song's release for the press I get Oh, Spidey Bells, Spidey Bells Swinging through Midtown Oh, what fun to sling a web And take the bad guy down.
1: Damn right. <laughs> oh, you bastards. And how the is he gonna do that? And how the exactly is he gonna do that?
3: Two days. <laughs> I've been spider him 30 years.